right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I believe um, Monday night, it was three hours long, and so this message is going to seem like 10 minutes. It's going to be 40 if I can stretch it out that long. I hope I can. I'm sure I will. And uh, I thought about that Monday night. I said, I sat in one place for three hours. Took one 10-minute break, but it was worth it all. i tell you what, it was great. Um, we ought to do some reviewing every Wednesday night about what you've learned. And I was thinking about um, uh, covering the Bible in one hour. The whole entire Bible in one hour was the first hour. And then the first chapter of 1 Timothy was wonderful, exhortation. And then at the end, there was a 23-minute uh, exhortation lesson on uh, Satan, and that's going to be our theology uh, part, and uh, there was four or five reasons why we ought to study the doctrine of Satan. Can somebody give me those, or one of them? Why we ought to know about Satan. Now, that's unusual, isn't it, that you'd have to know about Satan. I'm about to give away three points right now, but there's some reasons that we ought to know how Satan works, amen? Can somebody that was in the class that was awake by that time? Uh, that took notes, could give us one or maybe two or whatever. Brother Pete, got to know your enemy, amen. Uh, ball teams char, uh, spend thousands, even millions of dollars on uh, scouting so they can know their opponent. Well, the devil's more than an opponent. He's an enemy of our soul. We ought to know how he works. Why not be ignorant of his devices? Anybody else got one? Yes, sir, Brother Gabe. We can understand his limitations. I hope you learned Monday night that he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere like the Lord. His, de his, his imps are and his demons. That's a great revelation. Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. First John 4, 4. Anyone else? I've got the other three, so I just want to review. We're going to do this quite often now. We're going to review publicly, and so we can uh, exhort you to get involved in the next semester but also that we can remember what we learned. And it was a great three hours. That's some of the best teaching that I've ever heard in my life. And I'm, I've heard a lot of teaching. And so I was thrilled at that quality of teaching, especially First Timothy chapter 1 about the background of that, of that uh, lesson. Okay, anybody else? I don't want to take uh, anything away from anybody. Well, the Blaine's working tonight or he'd be uh, spouting all five of them off, I'm sure. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 5, I've got 23 points to cover. And I covered 13, I think, last week. So I've only got 10 more to go. This is like a Gatlin gun. This is, a, this is the Apostle Paul just shooting one thing after another and almost in half verses and sentences saying how you ought to act in the last days. And after viewing some of the things I've viewed today, we're in the last days. I guarantee we are. And uh, I'm praying for the administration, praying for wisdom, but I'm praying for some of them to get saved. Amen? And that's all right. You ought to pray for people to get saved. That's the best thing you can do for a person is pray they'll get saved. Amen? I prayed for President Trump to get saved uh, several months and several years. Uh, and I think he did. I'm not sure. That's between him and God. We ought to pray for our leaders to be saved because they're not saved. They're not going to be led by the Spirit. They're not going to be checked by the Spirit. Uh, they're just going to do what the spirit of the humanism says 
and uh, we need to pray for them to be uh, led by the Spirit, led by the Word of God, and we need to get back to the book. It's only hope for America. It's only hope for America. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or if you're independent. I'm independent, Baptist. And, um, you know, I really believe that we need to pray for our leaders to uh, get saved and to follow the Lord, and we need to pray for peace so we can have uh, sanctification. Amen? So let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6. And the Bible says, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And I preached uh, last week, I just want to go over these real quick, I mean real quick, is uh, there ought to be something called, we shouldn't relax in the last days. This is not our rest. Let us not sleep. And then there ought to be no deviation in the last days, as do others. But there ought to be a lot of observation. We ought to watch. And folks, to watch means to pray. It means to be alert, be cautious, be careful. A lot of people are half asleep. A lot of people don't realize what's involved in all that's going on in this world. Uh, and we need to pray that God would give us a watchful spirit. And then look at verse 6. It says, Therefore let us not sleep as up at seven. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. We ought to be very, very conscious uh, and not intoxicated. We ought to be sober. And that doesn't just mean serious-minded. It means we don't need to be drunken by the hideous sins of this world and enticed by the intoxication of this world. Uh, sin is fun for a season, just for a season. Don't tell me it's not. Uh, it's, it's sensual, or nobody would do it. But, folks, I want to tell you, it's only for a season. And I'll tell you another thing is that the end of sin is worse than any of the uh, involvement of sin. There is a payday someday. Ask Billy Sunday when you get to heaven about that. Amen. But I want you to know there, there needs to be some soberness. And then there needs to be, where we left off last week, some fortification. And look at verse 8. It's one of the greatest verses in the Word of God. It says, but... Let us, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, for all you that's looking around like you ain't got a Bible. Okay, look at verse 8. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober. Here it is, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, a lot of people take the word hope and they mistranslate it here and say, well, I hope I'm saved. And some people think they don't know they're saved until they get to heaven. That's a little too late. You need to know that you know that you know that you're saved. And when you're saved, you're safe. And when you're saved, you won't lose it. Say amen right there. I believe in eternal life. Eternal life. You can call it security if you want to. I call it eternal life, biblical terms. And so we're in a warfare. And the helmet is knowing that one day... The war is going to be over, and we're going to cross that finish line. And, folks, it could be sooner than later. I was shocked to hear about uh, Timmy uh, dying, and he's, to me, just a young man. And he probably is a young man compared to me, but uh, it was shocking to hear that. And, uh, you know, it's shocking to hear that the uh, coach that's so lively and so, so in enthusiastic, Coach Engel, died of COVID uh, today or yesterday, uh, brought Dalton State College back to the forefront. And I'm sure he did. But I want to tell you something. If he wasn't saved, he's in trouble today. He's on the losing side. I hope he's saved. I don't know the man. 
but I know he's a good coach. But I'll tell you this, friend, uh, we need to we need to be sure that good coaches and good businessmen and good truck drivers and good politicians are saved. Amen. It's the only thing that counts. Are they saved by the grace of God? So we're in a warfare. We must put on the whole armor of God and the helmet of salvation. And then look at this. It says faith, hope, and love. What three great characteristics. Then there's consolation. You ought to be full of consolation. Uh, look at verse 11. of. Um, well, let me just read verse 9. It says, For God has not appointed us uh, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That means you'll not go through one day of the tribulation. Uh, we're pre-trib around here because the Bible's around there. Amen. And uh, folks, we're going up in the rapture and not one day of the tribulation are we going to experience. Not even the uh, peaceful first three and a half years under the Antichrist. We're not going to be here. So don't you think we're going to be in the middle of it. Uh, 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 it says we'll not have wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now he's about to just really preach and really preach fast. So I'm going to do the same thing. But he says very distinctly before he starts this series of admonitions, um, we're saved by grace and we're saved by the death and the burial and the resurrection. And don't doubt it in the last days. Um, I don't know if you've ever doubted your salvation or not. Many people doubt that they're alive. Many people doubt that they're in Dalton, Georgia right now. I mean, they're just doubters. I mean, they've been, they were raised doubters. They were raised fearful. They were raised with a lot of inhibitions. Some people were raised with this philosophy, I don't know if I can ever get good enough to be saved. Well, I'm glad we don't have to get good enough to be saved, that Jesus was good enough to take our place, and his blood is enough. Say amen. His spirit's enough. Now, I want you to notice uh, some new territory here, but I want you to see it real quickly, is that in verse 11, in the last days, there will be a lot of consolation. And that means comfort. It says in verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And so he's closing out his letter about the second coming, about the rapture, about the day of the Lord. He starts this chapter out with, that's tribulation on through the millennial, the day of the Lord. And he says, comfort one another. I'm going to tell you something. And this is why this pandemic can be so damaging spiritually and emotionally as well as physically. Is that we need to be in church more than we've ever needed to be in our lives. We need to see each other. We need to smile at each other. We need to encourage each other. I was so glad I didn't have... Uh, uh, just nothing to do tonight where I could stay home and watch Fox News to 9 o'clock and get depressed. I'm in the house of God. I'm going to be encouraged. You say, you shouldn't mention stuff like that. Well, that's just me. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad I had the house of God to get out of my house and get in his house and see your face because it's encouraging. Say amen. And folks, we're not of this world. And we're, our hope is not in uh, president and vice president or cabinets or judges our hopes in Jesus. We ought to comfort one another with these words. We ought to have the word of God. These songs ought to be a comfort. And Brother Randy, every time he sings, is comforted. I want to go to sleep every time he sings. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, um, 
That's just a joke. That's just a joke. I love his singing. Amen. But we ought to comfort ourselves together. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, so much the more as we see the day approaching. We ought to provoke each other not to anger. Some things in this world provoke me to anger. Like I preached on Sunday morning, it provokes me to anger to realize that babies, over 60 million babies have been killed since 1973 in the United States on the altar of convenience. And that ought not be. And that just, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You, you need to get mad at sin but not, and love the sinner. And folks, we ought to comfort one another realizing that we're in the last days to provoke each other, not to anger and not to depression. And I've been to some churches I've left oppressed because they didn't preach the word or they preached those funny versions. Amen? Well, I appreciate the study Monday night. That fellow stayed by the stuff and he dealt with some controversial stuff. Amen? And he mentioned it. And if you didn't like it, you just have to change classes, praise God. Amen? You know, you just have to go to another college. And I said, that's the, my kind of fellow. That's my kind of preacher. And so I'm, I was very impressed. And then I want you to notice, and um, we'll, we'll have a word of prayer here. Uh, Father, use this message and help us, God, as we continue uh, this, uh, uh, these thoughts. And Lord, I know that he's trying to sum up everything. He, he can't, he can, uh, the Holy Spirit's laid on his heart to exhort this church to do uh, in these last days. So God help us to turn it up and to be more faithful and to be more encouraged and be more in the ministry than we've ever been before. Can't wait to get back to visitation weekly. And God, I can't wait to get back to some other things that we're doing, uh, like junior church and other things, God, that we want to see take place again. And so Lord, help us to fortify ourselves, but help us to encourage each other. And God, help us, Lord Jesus, to realize how valuable this church is and your word and your spirit and your ministry. So, Lord, thank you for us. Thank you for the privilege of being part of it. Greatest work on this earth is the work through the, through the Holy Word of God and Holy Spirit and through your church. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go real quick. I'm going to give about 10 more points, and um, they'll be real quick. But I want you to know there's, fortifi there's fortification. Uh, fortification. Uh, we're uh, in a warfare. There's consolation because of that. And then verse 11, look at this. This is great. It says, and edify one another even as also you do. And folks, he's commending them that they are edifying. Edify means to build up, to construct, build up and strengthen your fellow believer. And the Bible says that the ministry Ephesians chapter 4 is for the ministry of edification, but also it's a ministry to become more like Jesus. And so, folks, we need to encourage people not to quit. We need to encourage people to be faithful. We need to encourage people by being honest with them when there's open sin in their life and they're not like Christ. So we need to edify. And then we need to educate. Now, that's a good word, amen. I was in college Monday, so I can use that word again. We need to educate. Um, homework, it was a dirty word for me too when I was in college because uh, we had a lot of it. But uh, you got you to gotta realize this, verse 12. It says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you 
in the Lord and admonish you. Now, folks, he's saying, listen, if you're going to be the church that you need to be, you need to know, you need to perceive about your leadership. And I don't know what was happening in this church, if they were rejecting the young pastor or they were just accepting Brother Paul's leadership, but there must have been something going on as far as rebellion against leadership. Let me just say this. It's in every church. I guarantee you, I've made some of y'all so mad that you wanted to change membership. I could tell by the steam coming out your ears. Amen. But don't get mad at me. Get mad at the one I represent. And if it's the word of God, you're going to have to deal with it. Amen. Praise God. But I hope I always preach in love. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to realize and comprehend and understand uh, some things about leadership. This goes for all of you. It's in leadership. Uh, we need to know about their labor. Look at it. It says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. The word labor means work to fatigue. Have you ever worked so hard that you just couldn't hardly move? Uh, I was talking to Brother Jeremy Hall, and he had COVID down in uh, South Africa. And this was a bad case. I had a light case, evidently, because I didn't go through this. He hurt so bad that he ran up a $121 hot water bill just to soothe his body. He'd go into the shower every time he'd get a little hot water, and hot water's limited in South Africa, and it's very expensive. And he had so much pain with this COVID that he had to, he had to take a hot shower about every 30 minutes. Good night. At least he was clean, praise God. But, you know, uh, you know, he was telling me about that, and I said, man, I must not have had it because I didn't hurt like that. I said, but I hurt every time I get up now and every time I get on a ladder and try to get back down, every time I'm painting, try a little of that today. And I'll tell you something, friend. You need to realize that there's a, there's a, there's a physical labor, but there's a spiritual labor. You ought to appreciate your leadership about spiritual leaders. That's what Paul was saying. I'm not tooting my own horn, and I'm sure not begging for no accolades, but I want to tell you something, friend. There's more that goes into a sermon than you think, and there's more of a battle than you think. Some of you ought to get up here and try to preach and see how you like it about four times. Well, that's how much I used to preach four times. I got some help now. I preach Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And you prepare four messages a week, man, it gets demanding. Woo, man, I'm going to tell you something. And folks, it's a labor, but it's a good labor. It's a, like a labor of some of you ladies that had babies, you know. Remember that labor? It was worth it, wasn't it? Don't you want to do it again? But anyway, listen, it's labor, labor, work. But then I want you to see the worth of leadership. Look at this. This is great. It says, who over you in the Lord. Now get that. You ought to. Be educated, church, in the last days of the worth of leadership, the, the work of leadership. Um, some people don't like that. You've probably never been in the army either. You don't like rank. You don't like leadership. You don't like anybody telling you what to do. That's why you can't keep a job over two months. Come on, say amen. Proud of you. Some of y'all have been there several years. But I'll say this, friend, listen. 
we need to stay in rank. And we can't all be the pastor. We can't all be the deacons. We can't all be the teacher. We just got to be a faithful student and a faithful servant. And I will tell you something. If you have to have a title to serve God, you're not right with God. One time I had to tell a deacon. He could not be a deacon. It broke my heart. He was a good man. But I found out he'd been married twice. And I came up to him and I said, Brother, I said his name, I am so sorry. But you can't serve as a, as a deacon here. And he looked at me and I said, Boy, I'm going to lose another one. Here we go. Every time I put standards out or every time I try to draw the line spiritually, somebody gets mad and leaves the church. And he looked at me. I'll never forget what he said. And he was the type of man that sat at the door when he was sick and shook hands. Came early. And I mean, served the Lord until he, until he died. He died, I almost said he died in this church. It wasn't that bad, but he died. And uh, he looked at me and said, Preacher, I don't need a title to serve God. I serve God because I love Him. I went, whew, thank God. I mean, I was relieved. I thought this is another one going to die at the back door because we got some biblical standards. And he said, I just serve God because I love him. And I said, thank you, brother. And I preached his funeral, and I, I quoted him on his funeral. But, so, folks, listen. Recognize rank. Work. Your leaders have to give account unto God for your spiritual progress. That's an awesome responsibility. Everybody wants to stand in line to be a pastor because they think it's it's famous and, you know, rich and famous and, all you do is show up three times a week and you don't work in between and you've got that all wrong. But there are leaders that give account to God for your spiritual progress. Uh, you ought to be educated knowing that um, and recognizing that they're leaders and the way you recognize their leaders is you submit. You submit to their, their leadership. You give them authority. Now, I want to tell you something, friend, right now. The authority of this church is the Bible. It's the Word of God. But also there's a responsibility of a pastor to preach it and not to dilute it and not to show favoritism by, by uh, not preaching something that might hurt somebody that's so easily offended. God help you. And I don't think anybody on Wednesday nights easily offended. You wouldn't be here. And our crowd's coming back, and you see it, it's just exciting. I see one more pew with somebody on it. That's a blessing. It encourages my heart. And so we see uh, why we ought to be educated about our leadership. It says that they admonish you. They admonish you. You know what the word admonish means? Warn. Warn. I want to say this, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but chapter verse 14 of the same chapter says, Now we exhort you, brethren, and warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The best friend you'll ever have is somebody to preach against your sin. That's right. The best friend you'll ever have is somebody that'll step on your toes because they love you, and they speak the word in truth. If you go to a church where you always feel better about yourself and you always feel like this is a wonderful party that we just went to and I feel so 
thrilled that I'm a Christian, that's great. That's called worship. But I want to tell you something. Sometime, somewhere, your sin needs to be, be labeled by the Holy Ghost when the man of God preaches the Holy Word of God. And you ought to thank God for it. Amen. Folks, we need more preaching on hell and more preaching on sin because sin will separate you from the fellowship of God. And that's exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. It's the worst sin in the world to be exiled from God. People need to know about the tasks so they can support the pastor, support the leaders involved in the challenging part of this ministry because the most challenging part of the ministry is this, telling an adult that they're wrong. I want you to think about that just a second. I've had to do it over and over and over again in my 46 years of preaching. Is to go to somebody and tell them that they need to get right with God. Have you, you know, it's hard enough to tell your own children that. You know, amen. It's hard enough to tell a teenager that because you can't tell a teenager much. Come on, teenager, smile. God bless you. But I want to tell you something. You tell an adult that they're in sin. Folks, that's why you ought to pray for your preacher. You ought to pray for your leadership because they have to do some things that's not exactly pleasant, easy. And then look at verse 13. It says, and to esteem them very highly. Esteem means admire, appreciate. Can I give you another word? Respect. And I want to tell you what's gone out the door in most churches today. People don't respect their leadership. They talk about them. They address them as just, you know, one of the boys. Uh, I thank God I don't uh, pastor a church like that. I've always respected me. Always. And I've tried to be respectful and respect, uh, respectable. But I want to tell you something, folks. This is the last call for Paul for this church in the last days. He's saying, listen. You need to be educated, but you need to be full of respect. And folks, it says esteem them, what? Highly. That's some strong language. To esteem them highly means exactly what he's saying. He says esteem them very highly. That's why I like preaching verse by verse, no matter what, because it just it deals with everything. And so it says in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. I want to tell you what the greatest thing you can do for your preacher or your teacher or your deacon. Be at peace among yourselves. You know what used to break my heart? It didn't happen, well, it might happen a few times. It's when my children fought. Especially the twins. I thought, man, they come out of the same womb, same time. Praise God. Listen down, Jessica. And I thought, man, they're going to be just 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 like their mama, they're going to be low-key. You know, they're going to be getting along. They'll never fight. They'll never fuss. And I want to tell you something, friend. The first time they did, I mean, when Stephen had just about all he could take of Stephanie correcting him or straightening him out, she's good at that. She's like her daddy. And um, it exploded, and I was shocked. Uh Jason and Amy had a few bouts. Can you imagine that? A little old shy Amy. But boy, you ever back her up in the corner and get her too, you know, too cry? Man, she can, she can, she can whoop you. 
I'm not because she's tough. And uh, boy, it broke my heart. What breaks a parent's heart when children don't get along? And I'm going to tell you what breaks a pastor's heart when the flock don't get along. Fussing and fighting, talking about each other, gossiping. I mean, the churches are full of it. Thank God there's none of it in our church. I hope. They might be, Miss Bradley. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just praying there's not. Seems pretty close to me. I love the love in this place. Amen. I, li- I like that everybody's important in this place. That the bus kid is as important as the preacher's kid. Always has been. Amen. We've had, a, uh, in this recent days, we've had some people that's been out of church for a long time and done some wicked things towards this church. And I thank God the way you welcomed them Sunday morning. It was a blessing. That's what our church is all about, love. Not hierarchy. Not social classing. Not even political division. Praise God, that's hard, isn't it? But I want to say this, folks. The character of esteem is this. Esteem them very highly. Now, the carnal will not like that because they do not like to submit. Churches that honor their pastor prosper. Churches that abuse their pastor will not prosper. Have you ever heard of churches that just you know, they they say it's our job to keep the man of God humble. No, it's not your job to keep the man of God humble. It's God's job. And he can do a good job if you pray for him. Amen. The devil loves to call division and rebellion. Folks, I thank God for the 43 years I've had to pastor this church and seen so much togetherness. And I'm not a dictator. I hope I'm a leader. And I thank God for the love, and I thank God for the encouragement. And I even thank God that when I'm wrong, y'all were patient. I had to learn on the job. This is my first pastorate. This is the first time I ever pastored. hope it's the last time I pastored. But I want to tell you something, folks. The devil loves to bring division. Charity in the esteem. Look at this. It said, and esteem them very highly in love. That's how you, that's how you uh, uh, appreciate somebody. Just love them. Respect will revolutionize your home. Respect will revolutionize your relationship with your mate. In 60 seconds, it'll bring energy to your home. Just try it. Smile when she enters the room instead of when she leaves it. It'll change your marriage. Say amen. Be polite to your wife more than you are the unannounced guest. Be more concerned about your mate than you do somebody that calls all the time on the phone that you don't even hardly know on the job. Put them first. Esteem them. Love them. Respect them. It'll change the whole atmosphere of your home. But I want to tell you something. Disrespect will destroy a home. Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor the weaker vessel as heirs together the grace of life. 1 Peter 3, 7 is my favorite verse on marriage. But folks, listen. The devil loves to cause division. Then we ought, to, we ought to esteem them for the work's sake. The character of the work is this. Spiritual well-being. The most important work of all. It's a higher calling than being a senator. And I want to be non-political tonight, but I guarantee you this. Reverend Warnock, stepped down 
when he became a senator if he's a real man of God. And if I ran for Senate and won and went to Washington, I'd be stepping down because pastoring is a higher call than a senator. Can somebody say amen? It's a higher call than the president because folks, they don't deal with spiritual problems. They cause a lot of them, but no, they don't deal with spiritual problems. They don't deal with spiritual well-being. They don't deal with the eternal. But folks, a man of God deals not with some political endeavor to, for the nation, but he deals with eternal values and your spiritual well-being. And that's important. That's so very important. I'm not trying to call, uh, call anybody or, 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 or discount your calling or, or, or to discourage you from being a pastor. I think it's the greatest life in the world. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's an awesome responsibility. And Paul, for some reason, in the ending of his, of his message, he just stops here and says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, but to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. That's eternal work. And be at peace among yourselves. That means we all get together and just try to help each other and be a blessing, and we try to work for the same cause, and that cause is Christ. The cause ain't to make the preacher some famous celebrity. We got too many celebrities in the pulpit when we need to have servants in the pulpit. But at the same time, realize that the servant of God is responsible to God and God alone for your spiritual well-being. So the Bible says, esteem them. Let's get off that uncomfortable point. But I want to say this. I'm going to preach every verse. We see conciliation. Look at verse 13, the last phrase. It says, and be at peace among yourselves. We're the only army that shoots the wounded. Folks, you backslide in a Baptist church, it's dangerous. They might just shoot you. Amen? But what we need to do is restore them. But realizing that we could be next. And matter of fact, we'll be real honest, we have been next. We've been there. We might not quit the church, but our heart was just as wicked and cold as could be. And we wanted to quit, and if we could have quit with nobody knowing it, we would have quit, say amen. I'm talking about myself. But thank God you didn't quit. Thank God you're at peace. And folks, we ought to be at peace for the furtherance of the gospel and to fight a good warfare. And if the church can't get along, what does you think the lost people think? They'll know that we're disciples because we what? We love one another. It's proof positive evidence that we're disciples when we can get along. In the last days, do not let things get in between you and your loved ones and your brothers and sisters. And then I see, again in verse 14, the, the monstration, um, he, he, he admonishes and he, and he warns them. Some are unruly. That means disorderly. Look at verse 14. It says, not... Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that unruly comfort the feeble-minded. Amen, we got a lot of that. Support the weak, be patient towards all men. Now, folks, you know what the Bible says, be patient. 
That's where in the last days we'll have toleration. We'll love one another. And folks, the Bible says that uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, faith, meekness. You know, meekness is not weakness. It's just power in control. It's not thinking down on yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. And folks, we ought to comfort the feeble-minded. We ought to support the weak. Folks, this is a ministry. Not everybody's as spiritual as you are. But here's my question. How long did it take you to get spiritual? Somebody had to work with you. And somebody had to be patient. And somebody had to go knock on your door and say, will you please come back to church? Isn't that, that's one of the worst things I have to do, I think. Just go beg people to come back to church. I get so tired of it. Well, what's wrong now? You know, praise God, grow up spiritually. You shouldn't have to be bribed, pumped, or paid to be in the house of God. You ought to want to be in the house of God. Amen? Toleration. Exercise much patience. Then look at verse 15 real quick. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever, but, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And so, folks, there ought to be no retaliation. See that none render evil for evil. The Scripture forbids getting even. The world wants to get even all the time. But the Bible says turn the other cheek. Let me hurry. I want you to see in the last days there ought to be something in our church that's predominant. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. There ought to be jubilation. I'm not saying we're having jubilee all the time. But I'm saying, folks, rejoicing is sure beats grumbling. Say amen. You ever been in a church where you knew it was divided? You ever been in a church where you knew it was split? Folks, we got more churches on this road that was a split out of another church. Split, splatter, splint. When I knocked on doors when I first came to this town, they said, what split are you off of? I said, I'm not a split. I'm, I'm a soul winner. They really thought that we were mad at South Dalton, so here we come. We're going to start another. We're mad at Kinsey Drive. We're going to start another one. No, folks, we wasn't mad at anybody. We was mad at the devil. I'm going to win souls, Brother Wesley. That's the key in the Christian life. Folks, we need to realize there ought to be some joy in our life that's attractive. And it's therapeutic. The Bible says it's medicine for your bones. Proverbs 17, 22. If you can't get well, just start laughing. No, if you can't get well... Smile by faith. Yeah, I don't feel like smiling. We'll, we'll smile by faith, not by feelings. There ought to be a jubilation. You know what you ought to be excited about? It's going to get better soon. Amen? It's going to be over. Then we see appreciation in verse 18. It says praying without ceasing. That's supplication. But I see in verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think I'll close with this one because this is probably the hardest one. It's the most difficult command in the Word of God, but it's the divine command. It says that we ought to give thanks in everything. Now that is a, that's strange, but it's, 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 it's the Word of God. And sometimes we strain at being thankful. We make ourselves be thankful. Now I'm not talking about this charismatic thing where we say praise God it's not there it is there and folks there is some wickedness in this world and there is some problems in this world and folks there is such a problem in this world that we realize how much we need revival 
The Bible says give thanks. I believe we need to give thanks because it's the will of God in Christ concerning you. God has allowed this for a reason. Not everything's good, but everything worked together is good. It's like homemade biscuits. Large, not good. Let me get for you young people. Crisco's not good. Wesson oil's not good. Try to take a swig of that, say amen. Just, just put, turn up some Wesson oil tomorrow. No, but if you put that Wesson oil with some flour, like you can make Miss Bradley, I know, and, and you, know, you get those cat head biscuits when you get all that baking soda in it, and flour, I don't have a clue how to make a biscuit. <laughs> flour, milk, buttermilk, amen, buttermilk. Individually, <clears throat> oh, my, my, my daddy used to put buttermilk and cornbread in a glass and actually drink it and eat it. And I thought, man, I ain't drinking nothing that clabbers and smells like that buttermilk. But I want to tell you something, friend. Most of the things that I like the best baked has buttermilk on it. Buttermilk biscuits. Hallelujah. I'm getting hungry. I should have ate before I came here. But listen, folks, we need to be jubilant, but we need to be appreciative that God is still in control no matter what you're going through. And that he weaves it together. He's the master shelf. He knows how much heat to put on it. And thank God when he puts it together, the key word in Romans 8, 28 is, for we know that all things work together. We want him to work individually. But folks, listen, God works it together. And why, how does he make it work together? This is why you ought to thank God for everything. Because no matter what you're going through, even what we're going through as the United States of America, God is allowing it to make us more like him. Say amen. And I'll read these verses to prove it. Romans 8, 28, and you should never read 28 without 29. And I'll close. My time is up. And boy, it sure has been a brief message compared to those three hours. But anyway, amen. It was worth every minute of it. Romans 8, 28. Y'all know it, don't you? For we know that all things work together. Would you circle the word together? For good to them that, what? Love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. That means you're already saved, friend. So this next verse, Calvinist, is not about your salvation. It's everything about your sanctification. Say amen. Look at verse 29. For whom, for, continuing thought, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Back in verse 26, it says you, sometimes you pray and you don't even know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. And you can't even pray, but God prays through you. And it's not in an unknown prayer tongue, but it's in groanings that cannot be uttered. And he searches the heart because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen? Folks, the Spirit of God knows God better than you know God. And the Spirit of God knows you better than you know yourself. And the Spirit of God knows what you need more than you know what you need. Say amen. And so then he goes on down here and he says, all things work together for the good of them that love God, call according to his purpose. What? That you might be like him, verse 29. So how can we give thanks for everything? Because he's going to use everything if we love God and we submit to God and we pray to God 
and we can rejoice evermore. And we don't complain and grumble and quit, but we're faithful. And then these next verses, sanctified by His Spirit to make us more like Jesus. So let me give you some good news tonight. Jesus coming soon. But before He comes, your great desire should be to be like Him and be thankful for everything that comes in your life. Unless it's because of your sin and He's chastening you. And even that will conform you back to His image. Say amen. But it's all for His glory. Father, use this message. Thank you, God. It seems like I've just burst with short sentences and short verses, but God, they're powerful. They're convicting. Rejoice evermore. Quench not the Spirit. Abstain from all the appearance of evil. Give thanks for everything, for it's the will of God concerning Lord, it's great admonition and encouragement for us in these last days to be faithful and to be prayerful and to be hopeful and God to be the kind of Christian that encourages, exhorts, and motivates somebody to be more like you. So God, in these last days, would you help us to have some holy conduct God, would you help us to have a disposition that's Christ-like? God, would you help us to have some faithfulness that reminds people of Calvary, of the resurrection, of the ascension, of the soon coming Lord. God, help us to remind people of Jesus is our prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know this has been a lot, but it's, some great truths and short sentences. But you'd say, Preacher, tonight in these last days, and I believe the Lord could come back today, I want to rejoice evermore, and I want to be thankful in everything for it's the will of God concerning my life. And I just want to be more like Jesus. I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? i got to raise both mine. I want to surrender everything. Uh, listen folks life's not a game so let's don't play around with it let's be diligently invest our life in his glory Father thank you for the good response I didn't preach for a response but I sure didn't preach for no response God I preached your word just as it's written and Lord it sure has been encouraging to be in Whitfield Baptist Church on this Wednesday night prayer service and Bible study God what a blessing Good singing, good spirit, good attendance. Getting better anyway, Lord. Thank for those who listen by way of internet. You bless them in their home. Some are homesick in quarantine. I pray, God, you'd heal them. You'd be with them. God, be with Timmy's family. God, help Sheila get back in church. Evidently, they're calling on their old pastor. They're not in church. Lord, I pray that you'd bless that family and help them. God, be with all the other prayer requests. We thank you, dear God, that no matter what we're going through and even what our nation's going through, it's the will of God concerning us. So God, help us not to react, but to respond. Lord, be like homemade biscuits. Just let you keep your hand on the thermometer, your hand on the thermostat, your hand on the dial. God, I pray that you'd be thorough with us, but God, be merciful. 
Help us, dear God, to grow during this time. Help us to be a, a light of rejoicing and hope and faith. Well, thank you for being a witness in these dark last days. In Jesus' name, amen.